back to the Waiting In Podcast presented by Track Wrestling. I'm your host, Alex Steen. This is episode 110. On the line, as always, David Mirkatani. David, how are you doing? My pool play and pool shark buddy. What's going on, my friend? <laughs> yes, indeed. We had a great time in Perry, Oklahoma over the weekend. We'll get into that. Uh, how was your trip back? Safe and sound? Everything good? Yeah, I got to give a shout out to Chris Forbes. Uh, he invited me over to uh, watch the fights on Saturday and get a workout in on Sunday. Guy always treats me like family. And then, yeah, got back home to family, so everything was everything is good. Uh, I love that trip, man. It's so fun, and uh, it was really interesting results. We saw a couple hammers down there, and and Perry. You know, for people that don't know, they've won was it 40? I think you put it out 42 state titles. And it, in the 42nd year, they finally won their own tournament. It was just crazy to watch. Yeah, they've, they've had a long history of bringing excellent teams to that tournament. Um, so they've had some great teams get beat in their own gym, never got to lift the trophy. And you're, you're right, it's 42 times they've won the state title in Oklahoma in their class. Um, and finally this year they got to win it. And that was really cool, you know. It was funny watching all the Perry coaches downplay their chances as they built a bigger and bigger league and talk about, oh, it's not over, it's not over. Not but you could tell it meant a lot to them. Yeah. Well, you know, we're good friends with Ronnie Delk and Chad Lindsley, the head and assistant coaches there. And we were with Lindsley Friday night, which we're going to get into. And I'm like, dude, you guys are up 50 points. And, and Chad's like you and I. He's a nerd, you know, where he – and I mean that as a compliment, where – He's going to go through the math, and, you know, like, I didn't know which scoring system they were using, but I'm like, if you guys just, as long as everybody makes weight Saturday, are you good? Well, like, when you know that that's not, when that answer isn't, you know, an affirmative, it's like, we all got it locked up. So, I interviewed Delk, and I got to get that up on the air, but he he was in shock. He didn't even get into the team picture. Like I, I had to, I literally had to tell him to get into the team picture, and I, I have read several articles about this, and frankly, I think you and I are slighted, because we've gone twice and they've taken second and first, and I don't think that's a coincidence. Yeah, I mean, it's it's no question, no coincidence that our presence helped Perry to some of their finest performances in tournament history. Um, I don't think there's – I mean, no one can question that. Um, it's just the way it is. It's a high correlation, and you know what they say, correlation absolutely means causation. So I, that's, that's what I always hear, so that's got to be it. I'm sure I'm remembering that right. Yeah. but I mean, it it is fun to be there. They treat us like family. And uh, it, it is interesting because somebody posted a picture of the old scoreboard, you know, with the, the flip numbers. And, you know, you, you see the map maids there, like, moving the names around when one team passes another as opposed to, obviously, the electronic version of it. So, um, But I think probably the highlight of the trip for you and I was Friday night. So let me try to set this up. Um, I, I called Alex Deeringer. He and I are buddies. And... Um, we were going to meet him out on Friday night, so we get back to Stillwater, go to Eskimo Joe, shout out to them, grab some dinner, and he and Chad met us, and you know, we're going to go shoot some pool, and uh, you drew the short straw and got me as a partner, and uh, the first game, I, I think you, you actually tried to miss every shot you could, is that a fair statement? I mean, I did miss every shot I could, and I hadn't really, I'd, I'd had one beer at that point, so I can't complain back. It was, it was awful. It, it was, was awful. Like, so, so, that's what I'm on. I mean, straight up. Right. Just, it was terrible. 
So we lose the first game. So Lindsley goes, let's play two out of three, thinking he's got us, right? So we reel off two wins in a row. So now we're like, now what? Let's go three out of five. We beat him again. So now it's three to one. Let's go four out of seven. We beat him again. We're up four out of five. And meanwhile, Deeringer is like Norm from Cheers in that, in that pool, hall, pool hall there where everybody knows him. You know, I think he's probably certainly getting a discount on everything. And basically, we just had to keep playing until they caught up and won. At least that's my version of the story. So we ended up losing five out of nine, but had a blast. Uh, it was really fun. And uh, I think Chad Lindsay was going to say how this was the only time in his life that he and Alex Deringer had teamed up in a wrestling event. So I don't want to burst his bubble, but it was pool, not wrestling. So it was a lot of fun, man. It was. It was a great time, and you could you could definitely see um, as we got ahead that Ringer's competitive instincts kicked in, and there were four of us around that table that all wanted to win. But you know he's competed most recently, and you can tell that uh, he was not going to let his team lose. He was going to make sure we were there, and who was going to tell him we were leaving? I mean, we weren't going to tell him. That. That's right. I think we got out of there. To be fair, we made it till about one forty-five in the morning. And I think Deringer's about half my age. So, you know, um, for all practical purposes, I should have got an ARP discount and gotten one more game out of that thing. So, but, yeah, shout-out to Alex for having us out. Shout-out to Chad for bringing us down there. Love both those guys. And uh, it was a blast, man. We really had a fun time. It was. I can't wait to go back next year. It's such a fun time. And there's some great wrestling in that gym. Uh, we saw we saw a freshman from Bigsby, Zach Blankenship, that you're going to be hearing from. Uh, keep a, Note down that name if you don't live in Oklahoma. If you, if you live in Oklahoma, you already know that name probably. But, uh, yeah, note that name on the national level. He's coming. He's impressive. That dude, uh, and he won four, four falls, right? Four or five falls? He pinned yeah. everybody, right? And just mowed down the 120-pound bracket, uh, which was not an easy bracket. So, He's he's got to be one of the favorites in cadets like already, like I mean, you know I I have a lot of friends in Oklahoma as you do, and these guys have been kind of telling me about it. They're like, hey, get on the air with this first. This guy's the truth, and and you know I believe those guys. But you know it's I'm from Missouri. You got to show me. So you know I wanted to see it for myself. And what he's he's good in a lot of positions, but man, he is slick on top. He's got some stuff on top that most 15 year old human beings should not be allowed to be that good at yet and he just he just pinning fools so he's got a super high motor wrestles a really high pace and really fundamentally sound and he looks strong as a bear for that weight class as well yeah he was really impressive all the way through the tournament so uh that was cool to see, and it seems like every time we go to Perry, we see a couple of guys like that. It's like, I've never seen you before. I don't know your name, but we're going to be hearing more from you. So that's always fun to see. For sure, man. It was a great time. Uh, congrats to Perry High School. Congrats to everybody um, that wrestled in the tournament, and thank you so much for having us out there. We, As you can tell, we really enjoyed it. Absolutely, and thanks to the weather for holding off and not snowing. So we got everything in, and everybody got home safe without having to worry about the snow. So even better for us. Moving on to the international side of the house, there was other wrestling going on this weekend, though we didn't notice as much. (laughs) 
the Ellens International. There was a lot. There was a lot of stories around this one. Um, we sent a men's freestyle contingent from the USA. James Green ends up with a bronze after losing to the Russian in the semifinals. Uh, Tony Nelson ended up fifth at 125 kilos. But to kind of give you a picture of how this tournament went, Russia won 34 out of the 40 men free, men's freestyle medals. Georgia had three. Then the USA, Azerbaijan, and Iran had one each. So obviously we had James Green. Uh, you know, and that's interesting enough. Obviously, Green, it's a solid performance. The Russian he lost to Bayev has been around and won a lot of matches, so uh, not a bad loss there. But to kind of give you – it was more important, less the on-the-mat stuff, more the off-the-mat stuff and how weird international wrestling is, even in this day and age where, you know, UWW is trying to regulate it. But, uh, you know, tournaments just kind of do what they want. Uh, we got a, saw a tweet from Lee Pumphrey. It was the night before the tournament, and he tweets out, yeah, um, instead of doing the two-day format like you we were going to, we're all going to weigh in the night before, and then everybody's going to wrestle on the same two days. Uh, they just made that call. Uh, <laughs> super weird to me. Uh, David, you ever see anything like that? Yeah, but I think, you know, yeah, but I'm old, right? Like that used to happen all the time when at our at my age, like they oh we're gonna move this or we're gonna change that. And you see it a lot at jujitsu tournaments, you know, if somebody you know, if there's if a bunch of guys get added at the last minute they just change the bracket. But not on that level, right? Not like where it's it's world like people around the world know the schedule. So I think you know, th- that was certainly surprising. I mean obviously I think America can't blame, you know, the thing is, whenever they change stuff, it's the same for everybody, right? So right. it's not like, oh, well, it affected me more than it affected you or vice versa. But it, it is something where, you know, you and I were trying to figure out, like, well, is this a, a meet that counts towards any sort of seeding points or anything like that? And, and I guess it doesn't, right? So, uh, yeah, it does. you know, because otherwise, you know, you'd have some real problems. So I think that was... You know, it, it was it, it was surprising, but I think honestly, if, if we kind of say we thought out loud, like, well, it's Russia, they're just going to do what they want to do, right? That's the truth, and really, yeah, you're right. It's not a seeding tournament, uh, and it's kind of one of those things. We're in this weird time with international wrestling as they go, they move to the two day format, um, and you know, this year they allowed a two kilo allowance for the second day, and then next year it's going to be flat weight both days, so. It's this weird transition from the old days of night before weigh-in, and even at some of these international tournaments, you get a kilo, a couple of kilos in addition, and now we're transferring over to try to get rid of some of that weight cut, but then some of these smaller tournaments still want to give the older, you know, give, give a little extra weight allowance so that people will come to their tournament and don't have to cut the weight like they thought they would. Uh, and I'm not sure where that's going to go. You know, to me, it's just like, well, if you can't make the cut, just go up to the next weight class because we have Ken now, um, obviously, other than heavyweights. But most of these guys can do that. And we've seen Europeans do that forever. So I'm a little surprised uh, at the seeming objection to going to a two-day format and actually doing the weigh-ins like they're supposed to be doing. But, uh, yeah, Russia going to Russia, and, you know, it, does, it affects everybody the same way. So, 
everybody went over and wrestled and got matches either way. Uh, at the end of the day, it's not that big a deal. Just thought it was pretty funny to see that. Well, I, I, I don't mean to be a conspiracy theorist, but I've talked to a lot of people in USA Wrestling, and I don't think it's crazy to say that a lot of the rules changes are designed to not help the Americans. And two-day weigh-ins help the Americans. They're used to cutting, you know, all these guys that came from a collegiate background, they cut weight a lot more often. They do these kind of things a lot more often. And I wouldn't be surprised if this even gets changed again before 2020. I really wouldn't. I've talked to some people in the know, and they kind of feel like that's coming. So it'll be really interesting to see if that happens. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, we if you look over the history of UWW and feel, you're exactly right. Um, a lot of times when the USA is thriving, they find a way to change the rules. You know, the leg lace rule originally um, – and some of our guys got really good at it. Suddenly it was, oh, you can do it once, and then you have to do something else. Um, and obviously that's changed back now. But could be. Uh, we'll see. I, You know, they've been doing – they've been talking a good game about, you know, making guys cut less weight, um, making, you know, just across the board, and that's kind of the point of flat, flat type weigh-ins. Um, but, you know, if the majority of wrestling countries don't want that or even if just certain powerful ones don't want that uh, – they have enough power in UWW to change it back, so we'll see. Uh, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on. Moving over to the college side of the house, uh, we'll get to the rankings in just a second. But And this is a bad week uh, for wrestling again. Kyle O'Connell is out for the season. Uh, he's going to have a surgery, and his message said he'll reevaluate his future in the sport. You know, this is a guy that tried to walk away earlier in his Kent State career, uh, decided he wasn't done, came back, had that amazing run last year in the NCAA tournament, uh, but was clearly not himself this year, kind of wrestling with one arm. Uh, everybody you know that watched him wrestle knew he was hurt, and now that's going to cost him his season. Uh, David, what do you make of this? I think it's just sad, right? Like, he was a guy that, you know, I didn't really know anything about him, you know, except from a ranking purpose, his results. Uh, coming into the tournament, but his story is one that is certainly inspirational. You know, he seems like a genuinely nice kid or young man. Obviously, you know, built like a brick house, but, you know, just I, if you're a good person, you don't root for anybody to get injured. Even if, you know, if you bleed orange, you still don't want Iowa to get injured or whatever the case may be. You want these guys to all have their best chance. And, we forget sometimes these guys are kids, and you know they, you know they they don't have the emotional maturity of a forty-year-old or something like that. So I think it's just sad. I mean, I'm really, I'm disappointed for him. I think that, you know, it's if you do have to leave, I will say this: he's one of the few guys that will have gone out winning his last match because very few of us can say that. So, and he won in pretty spectacular style and in Ohio, and he was kind of the feel-good story of the tournament. You know, I mean, I think him and Tariq Wilson, you know, both being Ohio guys, but uh, seemed like a really, really good dude and just a guy that, uh, you know, I, I just hope his health, you know, and ends up coming back full circle because that's obviously what's really important. Amen to that. Uh, yeah, you know, you, you meet a lot of these kids. You see a lot of them on the mat. You get to know a few of them. But when the, when the stories come out like his, just the stuff he overcame, the stuff he's been dealing with, like this is another hurdle that's thrown at him. And, you know, obviously anytime you have a major surgery, you have to reevaluate your future. But 
I hope if that fire is still there after the surgery that he feels like he can come back and try it again because, you know, this is this arresting after what he gave to us, uh, we owe it to him to support him if he decides to come back and put it on. And like you said, if, if this is it, he won his last match, and that's a heck of a way to go out. I mean, he wrestled a few this year too, but, man, everybody's going to remember that run in Cleveland that saw it. So uh, yeah. if that's it, if that's a heck of a, heck of a high point. Um you want to touch on Iron Man before we get into the rankings here? Well, just there's a lot of, you know, obviously a lot of big results. A lot of guys, you know, made some money and lost some money over there. And, um, you know, probably the best high school wrestling tournament in the country, in folk style anyway. You know, maybe Super 32 and, you know, maybe preseason nationals. But definitely the best in-season tournament. I guess that would probably be the, the best way to say it. And lots of big results. And, you know, I think Blair, you know, is – is in the hunt for maybe one of their best teams ever. Just want to give a quick shout-out to CBC, Cornell Robinson, and uh, Josh Saunders, who won. And they're, they're a team that's really on the come-up from the last four or five years, and they've now had an Ironman champion two years in a row with Malik Johnson last year and Josh this year. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud to say I know those guys and work with them a little bit, so just wanted to give them a quick shout-out. Very cool. Yeah, you know, I mean, look. We'll, Focus mostly on D1 uh, side of the house here, but I'll tell you, I was reading an article about the Iron Man and some of the awards that they've given out in the past. You know, the Outstanding Wrestler Award, the Most Team Points Award, that kind of stuff, and the list of past recipients of those awards <laughs> is insane. I mean, just you know, just world champions, D1 champions, all Americans, all over the place. So. Those guys we saw this weekend winning and, you know, even guys second, third, fourth, fifth, even anybody that placed, we're going to see them again. So very cool, um, good stuff from them. And obviously shout out to Josh Saunders and my Oklahoma boy Reese Whitcraft for taking it, taking a title as well. Um, yeah, they were talking a lot about him on Sunday before I left town. I guess he's a little hammer, huh? Oh, yeah. He's, he's a monster um, and he's going to do well at the next level too. So, you know, he's been around the national scene for a while. Uh, this was just, I think, another example and kind of taking it to the next level. So if he's got another level in him, I've seen him in the past. He's already really good. So if he jumps levels again, I, I don't know. He's going to be trouble. Uh, <laughs> but very cool to see that. Yeah, for sure. So why don't you tell us who the rankings are brought to us by this week? Well, I actually just got off the phone a little while ago with Paul and Matt Gilbert from Resolite. And they're your one source for both classic and lightweight mats. From their zip mat, the first and only tape-free mat to offer a waterproof interlocking connection system to their exclusive DigiPrint mat, the only fully customizable mat featuring unlimited graphics that brings unrivaled school branding to your new lightweight mat. Visit Resolite.com for all your wrestling mat needs. Resolite, the mat company. I spoke to those guys today, and I would just encourage people, if, if you need a mat, I mean, they're obviously the leader in this. I think sometimes people go, well, well, they're the leader. They're going to be the most expensive. You know, I'd encourage you guys just to give, you know, Paul or Matt a call at the 800 number and, you know, talk to them and talk to them about your budget. And maybe they can work with you, but they will certainly try. And, you know, I told you a couple of weeks ago about how good their customer service is, you know, getting help directly from the president. So they're just, they're good people. They've supported wrestling for a long time, and I'm happy that we're able to give them some support back. Very good. Um, you know, I talked about the cool Wyoming mat that has the 
altitude on this side right next to the visitor. <laughs> yeah, I want to issue a little bit of a challenge here. Uh, you know, there's some really cool things happening with the ResLite custom mats, and you can do just about anything now um, on your mat graphics-wise. So if you have a really cool ResLite custom mat, hit me up on Twitter, Alex Steen, UNAT. Uh, if you got the coolest one, hit me up. Um, and the best ones I'll retweet and, you know, just kind of get a little competition going here. Just, you know, we barely scratched the surface, I think, of what's possible. And there's some really creative people out there. So I want to see what you've done. Hit me up. There we go. I will say, though, and not, not to deter people from reading the rankings because there were some movers and shakers this week, but not as many as most weeks. It was a little bit of a light week. We're in that Christmas lull a little bit. Uh, for this week, the next week, um, and then then we get the craziness of South Beach duels and uh, scuffle and Midlands and all that stuff. But I didn't have anything at 125. What what did you see this week? Yeah, it, it's it's uh, peace and Yuletide for about three weeks here. So really, the only big one we had was Rico Montoya. He, he took a 13 to three loss to Dylan Ryder from Hofstra. and that was you know mainly the only change. So he dropped a few spots, but it was. And that was certainly a surprising result, but not, you know, it, it was a very light week in terms of upsets there. All right, moving up to 133. Did you did did anybody move at 133? Literally no. Which thank you 133 pounders. We appreciate you very much. <laughs> 141 probably had the upset of the week. Uh, Dom Bemis continues to let everyone know he's here for the party. Uh, he took out Cade Brock by one point in the Bedlam duel. Uh, literally the only points on the board for the Sooners um, in that match. So good job by Demas keeping the shutout from happening. Uh, it was a really interesting match. I was in the house for that one as usual. And it was one of the few times I've ever seen Cade Brock put on the back foot by a guy going upper body. You know, Brock is usually very comfortable in those positions. Obviously, Demas, an accomplished Greco guy, uh, did a really nice job of stepping in early to get a takedown and then kind of keeping Cade off off balance by constantly threatening to go that route again. It was a great match. Uh, came down to the very end. Ended up, I think, 7-6. to six. Um, So, nice job by Dom Demas. Uh, did you see anything else? Uh, yeah, I mean, you have here Sidarian Perry beat Yaya Thomas, but, I mean, that really didn't change the rankings. I think the Demas match, it's a really good lesson. If you're not a great leg attacker, and I'm not saying Demas isn't, but when you can threaten upper body, if you think about how, men, how much of the time guys practice upper body, that number is becoming less and less. I mean, they just don't do it. So I think that that's a way to you know put somebody in an uncomfortable position. Demas went inside reap. Cade uh, stepped out of it, and he went right, right across to hip toss or uh, tie a tosh and, and got the first takedown. And I think it set the pace. Uh, it was an interesting match. At the end of the second period, the buzzer went off, and right after the buzzer, Cade picked Demas up and put him down hard on his back and got hit for, um, I don't know if they call it unsportsmanlike or unnecessary roughness, but that was a point. And I was watching that with Chris Forbes at the time. I go, I'll bet you that's the deciding point, and it ended up being the case. Um, also, since we're near Christmas, my wish list would be a round robin between Dom Demas, Cade Brock, Jay Nyerman, and Mitch McKee. I would just like to see those matches, and I think there would be a lot of points scored <laughs> and very few moments of boredom there. I think that would be <laughs> None of those guys know how to wrestle a slow, methodical pace. They all go for 
Yeah, I, I, you know, it's interesting. A lot of the Oklahoma State fans were encouraged because Brock wrestled a full seven minutes at a high pace. You know, he was going for it the whole time. And, uh, he, you know, some people were wondering about his gas tank. I know John Smith's comments after the match, he seemed fairly, fairly encouraged by the way Brock went, which is interesting when you think that a two-time All-American lost to a freshman and were kind of on a positive note. I, I'm not sure that's quite right, although I'll defer to John Smith. If he saw good things from Cade Brock in that loss, then that's encouraging for me. But I'm concerned a little bit uh, now at 141. I mean, you know me. I thought Cade Brock moving up, he would be fine. Uh, but now he's lost to Bemis and Mitch McKee. And especially in the Demas match, she had no problems on bottom, and he still got beat. I'm a little concerned with the horsepower now. He looks bigger, um, but I just – I don't know. He's losing some positions that I don't think he lost in the past, so I'm a little worried about where that's going. What do you think? He wrestles a soft-hand style, though, and I think it's – I mean, it's certainly not the same level, but my between sophomore and junior year, I jumped from 119 to 132. And I was a slow 119, and I was kind of a fast 132. But these guys put your hands on you, and, and they feel different. And it takes you a while to do it. It's just a lot easier to do it when you're in high school and, you know, you've won Fargo the year before. It's not that big of an adjustment versus college where you're wrestling hammers and guys that have won Fargo themselves. And, I mean, Dom Demas is a freshman, but the dude made five world team trial finals. Like, he's not, you know – Joe Fish that just, you know, hopped onto the roster. Like, that dude is legit, and he's legit in a lot of different positions. And I think, you know, he's a coin flip with Demas, and he's a coin flip with Mitch McKee. And, you know, he wrestled Jaden Ironman in my meet back in high school, and, you know, Jaden had cut a lot more weight for that, so he beat him there. But I feel like Cade's a coin flip with a lot of these guys, and I don't know that he wouldn't be a coin flip at 33 if you put him against – Seth Gross, Suriano, Stevan Misik, Tariq Wilson. Obviously, we saw both sides of the coin versus Tariq Wilson. But, I mean, I think he lost to Pletcher last year, too. And, I mean, I think there's just a bunch of guys that are sort of at the same level. And for Cade, it's can you wrestle your match? The one thing that I would want if I were coaching Cade is could he get a little more dangerous on top? Could he get a tilt, you know, get some back points? even against a good guy, just least threaten there because it gives him a much bigger margin for error. Like right now it feels like he's got to win the takedown game because he doesn't score many points from the top position. Yeah, you're dead on there. He, I think going into every match, I mean, we've, doc, we've talked about his struggles on bottom. It obviously wasn't an issue against Demas, but you know, every, every match when he starts out, you feel like he's got to win the, the neutral battle decisively. Uh, to win the match against good guys, um, and he hasn't been able to against McKee and Demas. But your point is well taken. Um, you know, we've been waiting on McKee to jump levels for a while now, um, and I think we see Demas coming. You know, he only has one loss that kind of makes you scratch your head, and he's got some good wins. So uh, maybe this says more about him than it does about Kate Brock. Yeah, I think your concern is, you know, based on results is, is legitimate. But, like, as a guy that's set in a lot of corners, I think – Cade's figuring out what it's like to wrestle 141-pounders. And it's just not quite of as fast as a match. And I think he does real well in those fast matches. And I think if you're trying to speed guys up, sometimes you try to find guys with your hands instead of your feet. 
And when you close gap that way, that's when you leave yourself susceptible to some things. And that's what he did a couple times. He went to his, he tried to get his ties. And when you lead with your hands, you can end up in the other guy's ties. And, and Demas was a guy really well coached, knew not to hang on Cade's head and get shrugged and slide by it or whatever you want to call it. And didn't that didn't happen, kept his elbows down. I mean, we were with Hardell Moore this weekend, and I think all those guys come out of the womb just elbow controlling, right? So, you know, I mean, like, you know, they probably, like, elbow past the doctor on the way out, you know. So, I mean, you need to know that that's coming. And obviously, Demas worked a lot with Guerrero this summer and, you know, probably had some prep there knowing that was coming. And also, to be honest, Oklahoma didn't have all their starters. They knew this was one of the matches they could win. And it'd be crazy to say they probably didn't put a little more game planning into that match. And, you know, it's a big win for him. I don't think it changes anything in the seeding. You know, at the end of the year, if Cade Brock wins the Big 12s, you know, he's going to have a, a good chance to high seed because you've got McKenna, Lee, McKee, Mikey Carr, Kane and Store all in the same conference. And, you know, we, we haven't seen a very healthy Yanni this year. I mean, Jaden Ironman obviously be a huge favorite in the MAC, but, you know, Cade Brock's not that far out of a top four seed at all, really. Good breakdown. I like the coach speak about how to find him with the hand, find him with your feet or the hands. I like that. That's interesting. <laughs> I've been coached by some good dudes. I'm just regurgitating what I've heard, but it's definitely true. That's all you need to know, man. <laughs> Moving up to 149, uh, the big result this week was David J. Bannister of Maryland beating Jared Prince five to four. What else did you find at 149 this week? Well, I had actually talked to Alex Clemson earlier in the week, and um, you know we knew Leith was out. And uh, they, they brought Mahler in, and Mahler's legit, besides probably having the, the most awesome name a wrestler could have. You know, he sounds like a WWE superstar already. Uh, and a super nice kid. Uh, he wrestled in our event. Great family. Shout out to his mom and dad. And he's a guy that jumps in the rankings right away at, uh, at 10 because – he split with Deegan and actually majored him the first time and barely lost to him the second time. And Deegan's up to seven because of uh, Leith coming out. So I'm going to tell you this right now. Brock Mahler's got a really good chance to be an All-American as a freshman. He's legit. He's a guy that you got to keep an eye out for. He's a high pace guy. He's another Mike Iron Ironman protege. And he's a guy... He was a little bit under the radar because, like, when he would go to under-20s or juniors, he would always lose one match, like, in the semis or the third-place match and end up fifth by one point. But if you look at the box score, he was winning all those matches for five, five and a half minutes and, frankly, just kind of found a way to lose those matches. And if they can get him over the hump there, that dude could be in the, definitely in the quarterfinals and maybe even the semifinals depending on his draw. He's a tough guy on top. Like, if, if he's, you know, if he had Deegan in the second round, he's a guy that's beaten him. That's a good draw for him. You know, and then if he were to wrestle like an O'Connor or even a Micah, I'm not sure he couldn't make the semis. He's he's pretty dangerous guy. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, we talked about this weight kind of in-depth on our way back from Perry Saturday night. And it's just, there's so few really proven guys in all of the, you know, top title contenders are, I don't want to say flawed because that's not the right word, but they all seem beatable um, by a fair, you know, fairly deep pool of 
second and third tier guys. Uh, so it's guys like Brock Mahler, guys like Caden Gefeller, got you know other guys that are that we haven't really seen yet. Suddenly, like, you have a chance here. You know, this is not you're not walking into 133 this year where good guys are going to finish <laughs> yeah. 12. Right. You know, you have a chance to do something really big right away. And, yeah, he's definitely on that list of guys that could jump up into that top four under the right condition. And Princeton, just out of circumstances, feels like their best three guys are at the three weights that are pretty shallow. You know, at 49, 97, and, and even 25, like, we have Foz ranked seventh, but I think you and I both have questions whether that kid can make – you know, 125, 126, and 127. You know, and, you know. Obviously, Kalasdik's ranked one, and when we get to 97, a bunch of guys moved up because of health there. So, you know, Princeton's got a sneaky chance of doing pretty well, as opposed to if they had these guys at different weight classes, you'd be like, man, that's gonna be tough for them to even be in the top four. You know, as good as <laughs> as Glory is, if he was eight pounds heavier, I wouldn't like his chances to medal nearly as much as I do at 125. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, it's it's sometimes, especially for the schools that don't have, you know, full lineup of studs, you know, like the top two or three teams do. Sometimes it's where your guys are at, uh, as much as anything. So keep an eye on that. Um, and I, I will say it was kind of disappointing. Obviously, it happened at tournaments, but Max Thompson and Brock Muller both made the finals at the U and I Open, and. Uh, unfortunately, Thompson for, Medical forfeited that match, so we didn't get to see it. But um, good to see Thompson back again. Obviously, debuted CKL me, um, so kind of working his way back. Uh, hopefully, he'll be in the mix as well as the season goes along. Um, moving up to 157 and 165, I don't have any notes of anything of interest. Uh, we have any movers there? No, let's just jump to 74. All right, straight to 74. Uh, I think when Ethan Smith beat Sean Campbell originally, a lot of us thought, uh, you know, maybe maybe he'd get a chance, uh, but we thought maybe Campbell would win the job in the, over the long term. And I'm starting to think less. that's less likely all of a sudden. Um, Ethan Smith beat Ryan Christensen this week of Wisconsin, 10-9. to um, It was another good win for Ethan Smith. You know, it's it, is he going to take this spot? I don't know. I was actually sitting in the airport watching this match, and it was funny because there was an older gentleman sitting across from me, and he saw me looking at it and actually sat out next to me and watched this match with me. Uh, Christensen had Ethan Smith pinned in a bottom leg cradle and ran it over too quick before he got his hands locked, and then Ethan Smith probably had Ryan Christensen pinned in a bottom leg cradle, and the referee didn't get around in time. I mean, it was a doozy of a match. I mean, 10-9, and it wasn't like some guy was up 10 to 3 and got a throw or something. It was back and forth. I mean, it made Christensen pinning Labriola earlier in the year kind of goofed up the rankings a little bit. And now this becomes much more of a body of work thing where that becomes the outlier and Labriola kind of can stay where he was and Christensen slid down below. We have still Tashawn Campbell in there, um, but, you know, we'd obviously just put Ethan Smith in if that were to happen. All right, well, we'll keep an eye on that. Um, <laughs> you know, it, and it happens to everybody now and then, uh, every school that is, you know, get a get a guy that you think is going to be, you know, a, a big-time contributor, and they kind of just, instead of getting better over their career, they just kind of peter out. And, it, I, you know, to Sean Campbell, I, I had hopes for at 174, but, you know, Ethan Smith is a talented guy. So if he's the man there and he wins the spot, 
so be it. Uh, I think the Buckeyes will end up being happy there either way. So and if you're a coach and they're the same, you start Ethan Smith because it helps you more for the next three years. Right. So, I mean, you know, in that case, you know, youth is, is on your side. So, and you and I have talked ad nauseum about how winning a wrestle-off doesn't mean you're the better guy to wrestle for the team. You know, so, and, and those wrestle-offs were both overtimes anyway. It wasn't like, you know, they got smashed or something like that. Right. I Yeah, I think that's why everybody kind of, was waiting to see what Ethan Smith would be against other competition, but he's starting to put together some performances that make you think he might really be the best 174 they have, which I, I don't think a lot of people thought originally. Right. Moving up to 184 pounds, we've talked about Princeton a little bit, and they got a nice win out of a guy that isn't expected to win the national title right now, oh, <laughs> Kevin yeah of Princeton beat Will Shaney of Virginia. Uh, Shaney had beaten Jordan Atienza of Central Michigan on Friday night, so he was in good form, and Parker got him on Saturday. Um, was there anything else that happened at 184 we need to note? No, not really, and I left Shaney there for a week because he had beaten Chip Ness, and he'd beaten um, Lafragola, and he lost to uh, Louis Dupre, who we're both really high on. But he's just kind of on a shorter leash right now. I will tell you, and you were at the meet, I'm starting to think that Dakota Gear might be a guy that can place for Oklahoma State. I know there's, you know, like, and people always, well, if he's going to place, who isn't? And, you know, I'm not going to, like, start naming guys that I think, you know, aren't going to place. But he's at 11. I really do think he's going to be in that blood round match. And depending on the matchup, I think, I mean, He's got a good style. Both those kids from Edinburgh, I have to think Coach Smith has been happy with those guys so far. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I had seen Dakota Gear obviously before um, covering the college scene like I have the past couple of years. Uh, but you seeing him more often, he looks, he's just solid in every position. He's got good neutral offense. He's got good neutral defense. He can get away. He can ride a little bit. You know, he's got all the tools, so there's no glaring weakness there. And those are the kind of guys, you know, we've talked about it before, guys that can win matches different ways the national tournament. I think he's one of those guys. Um, if he can continue to improve throughout the year, I think you're, I think he's going to be that round of 12 type guy and have a chance to win a match. And, you know, you mentioned the other Edinburgh transfer, Andrew Shomers. He, I think he's a little farther away because he has some some work to do in neutral still. But, yeah, I think uh, obviously, you know, Oklahoma State had John Blaylock there. They had a couple other guys around that weight. Um, and Shomers has just taken the spot. So, obviously, I think Coach Smith has to be happy with their efforts so far. And, yeah, you know, it'll be interesting to see gear as he gets a little tougher schedule. But I think a lot of people thought he had potential. We may be seeing him fulfill a little bit of that potential now. Yeah, he was really good as a freshman, right? Won like 30 matches, I think, won the EWL. Kind of, I don't want to say choked, but really underperformed at Nationals based on his season. And then redshirted last year, and then obviously with the coaching change, looked for a new home. And I think, uh, I mean, I, you know, I mean, Tim Flynn's a great coach. But, you know, Edinburgh, was, their budget was like sort of gum and candy. And you go to Oklahoma State, it's sort of like night and day. So I have to think he's probably, you know, that's got to be a pretty cool thing for him. And Shomers, you know, both those guys. Yeah, and West Virginia makes a, makes out in the deal by getting Tim Flynn out of it. So uh, every everything's coming up for the Big 12 here all of a sudden. Yeah, exactly. 
Moving up to 197, Randall Diabe of Appalachian State knocked off Malik McDonald of NC State 3-2. to um, You know, we talked about Kyle Connell out for the year. You have a note about Jacob Holschlag here. You want to get into that? Yeah, uh, you know, he's another kid that was in our event and ACL. And so, you know, in our rankings last week, two and four come out. And, you know, so that moves guys in like Rocco Kaywood and Eric Schultz are now in the top eight. Uh, it was good to see Preston Weigel finally wrestle, and I think you kind of forget how good he is on top. And, uh, you know, but this this weight class feels like there's really distinct levels to it, right? Like it feels like, you know, Nickel's sort of on his own level until proven otherwise. Colin Moore feels like he's on his own level until proven otherwise. And then it feels like the Brucky, Warner, Miklas, Weigel is a level. And then there's a bunch of other guys. Your boy Tom Slay's at 16, and if he plays, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, Corey, Corey Griego, you know, is at 25. Jackson Strigow's at 21. Jake Woodley's at 20. You know, Orndorff, you know, is at 17. There's just guys all over the place that could do it. I mean, Malik McDonald, you know, he lost to Diabe. And I will say this to coaches, like, you know, I understand you guys, uh, you know, they send in stuff on why they want their guys ranked. Probably – the worst, the best way to lose credibility is to only send us your good results. And you are laughing, A, the laugh of it's funny, and B, the laugh of knowledge, because I know that that's happened to you. And it's almost insulting, like, oh, okay, you think we missed this result. You think we're not, if we didn't, if we missed your guy, you think we're not going to go look up the whole body of work. And, you know, when you lose to, like, a Division three guy or something like that, you're going to have to have a ton of great wins to, you know, override that. So I just, you know, I, I look, I, I did the junior college rankings, which were next to impossible because there was no data points. I mean, we basically did it as a system where we had six rankers, one from each region, and then we tried to blend them the best we could. But, you know, just give us all the data, and then we'll look at it. But, just, you know, giving us a partial look is, is doing no one any good and, and probably – earns you whatever the opposite of the benefit of the doubt is. So I think this weight is really thin, though. Like, I think those six guys are, I feel like they're going to place, and then I, you know, I would roll the dice on a lot of other guys here at, at 97. Yeah, I mean, I think it was already a weight where you kind of looked at it being a little bit thin and then obviously losing uh, two All-Americans from last year. <laughs> that's going to hurt anyway. Um, so that's unfortunate. Yeah, it was good to see Weigel back out there. Um, I, I still don't know. You know, he seems to be injury prone, so he just kind of holds your breath every time he wrestles. Would have been nice to see him wrestle Jake Woodley because we don't really know where Woodley stacks up in this weight. Um, you know, obviously he beat Warner once last year, lost to him a couple of times, uh, but didn't get to see that on Saturday, on Sunday. You know, it is what it is, so we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, uh, Colin Moore seems to have figured it out. Uh, whatever was plaguing him last year, whether it was injuries, whether it was weight, whatever it was, he looks a lot better. So I'm really interested to see him wrestle uh, Nickel, but I think you're right. You know, until proven otherwise, it's Nickel on the top tier, Colin Moore on the second tier, and then, as you said, uh, there's, a, there's a group on the third tier, so we'll see. Um, but, yeah, 
you know, last year, 197 started out the year kind of like this, where we didn't know who it was going to be, and then by the end, it was a pretty interesting weight, um, even though it was a ranking nightmare. Yeah, this was the weight that, you know, probably drove you and I the crazy the most, and I really feel for Cornell, I mean, because I, I don't do the team rankings, they just are a result of this, but I look at the points, and, you know, if Darmstead was in there, he'd be a legitimate, I think he's a legitimate finals threat, you know, if he were on the, you know, bottom half of the bracket. And he's certainly a guy that scores a lot of bonus points. It feels like he'd be good for at least 10 to 15 points for those guys. So yeah, I don't know if yeah, he's going to come back before the end of the year or not, but I certainly feel like there's a significant loss there. Yeah, I I had been told earlier when it first was all announced that he would not be back this year. Of course, things change, but um, I think it was a back injury, and of course you don't mess around with that. So sure, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would imagine we won't see him again this season. Um, as he gets healthy. But moving up to 285 pounds, uh, the big ranking result was Jake Gunning <laughs> of Buffalo over Matt Voss of George Mason, 3-1. to one. And, you know, I when I when we were talking about this this weekend, you know, before the season, I think everybody would have picked Jake Gunning over Matt Voss just based on rankings, based on, you know, how their careers had gone. But Voss has got off to a really good start. So this was a little bit surprising, wasn't it? It was. I actually checked in with Frank Beasley because I was looking for the results, and Voss had a bad weekend. He lost to Gunning, and he lost to Lawler from North Carolina State. So, you know, he's a guy that started out at 11, then 11, then 8, 9, 9, 8. Now he's down to 17. But he's got a chance to, you know, move back up. I mean, to me, kind of the stories are... You know, Demetrius Thomas, who I'm familiar with him because he's a St. Louis kid. He's gone from off the board up to 15. Zach Elam's gone from off the board to 14. And then obviously the guy that will change the rankings and the team points the most is Amar Desi being back. And he comes in at one. I mean, he had to come in at either one or two because he took third last year. Stoll took fifth. And it's not like Stoll's put together some unbelievable body of work this year. You know, he's got one more match than Desi does. So he comes in at one. And it's going to be really interesting to see. I don't know if Oregon State wrestles that they're going to bump into Minnesota. I mean, if they don't, I don't. I'd have to look at Oregon State's schedule. I might pull that up real quick while we're talking here. But I'd be interested to see who you know if Desi's got a pretty good chance to hold that number one spot the whole year. Yeah, I was just looking it up. Obviously, since he missed Vegas, which is kind of their big trip, um, you know, they're going to Reno, but I don't know if any of the best heavyweights are going to that. And just, you know, scanning down through here, obviously, if Tanner Hall remains in redshirt for Arizona State, he won't see him. Uh, yeah, they, his schedule looks eminently be – I mean, he could he could run the table without, without issue. Um, I don't know – I don't see anybody here that's jumping out to me. No Minnesota, no Iowa, no Oklahoma State, no Maryland. Um, I mean, I know Oklahoma State is sending people to Reno. I, I don't expect it to be the starters with the scuffle looming, but I suppose it's possible. Um, but, yeah, otherwise it looks like pretty smooth sailing. I mean, you say that, but but is a pretty – veteran guy I don't think he's going to get upset um no but I mean like yeah you, you look at the schedule it's it's Reno okay so again maybe Derek White right but probably not 
no, no, no Midlands, no Scuffle, no South Beach. North Dakota right. State, Brandon Metz, sort of borderline top 25. Uh, Michigan's not ranked it that way. Northern Colorado's not ranked it that way. Wyoming's got Blake Andrews, who's 19th. Arizona State's not ranked it that way. Clackamas is a community college. Fresno is not ranked it this way. Or no, A.J. Nevels is 21. So they've got 19 and 21. Nothing in Cal Poly. Iowa State, you know, sort of borderline top 25 with Gremmel. Uh, Stanford's not ranked. Cal BAP is not D1 eligible yet. I mean, the interesting thing is he can't miss any meets to get enough points to be, you know, get enough matches in, you know, to, to be seated. So, I mean, he's going to, you know, he's, you know, because yeah, he's, he's going to have to get all those he, dates in. And this is a good point uh, because, you know, it seems like every year at this time, especially November and December, because guys get held out for all sorts of different reasons. You know, there's no sense in pushing somebody that has an injury at this point in the year. So people miss matches and we, we hear this, oh, I wish they would do something about the ducking and change it and this and that. But, you know, quality wins is a portion of the seeding metric. And looking at the schedule, Desi is not going to have a lot of quality wins going into the national tournament. Um, obviously, winning percentage is also a portion of that, so he could be undefeated, which is obviously a good thing. But depending on where they put him in the coaches' ranking, he could be – he could kind of be at the at the mercy of the coaches um, to decide where he stacks up. Um, you know, we've seen guys before that didn't wrestle a lot of matches get high seeds, so that can happen. But without quality wins to bolster his resume, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Yeah, I'm looking up the article you did last year. I mean, head-to-head's 25%, but, like, he wouldn't have that versus those guys. Quality wins is 20%, but doesn't feel like he'd have a lot of – he'd probably be third, like, versus, like, a Stoll or those other guys, Stevenson. Coach's rank, he'll probably be first, you know, unless he loses. Conference tournament placement, he should be first. Results versus common opponents, you know, it's probably not going to matter. Win percentage, he'd have to be tied for first. And RPI – might be a little off because he's not going to, you know, it's winning percentage and all the other stuff, your opponent's winning percentage and blah, blah, blah. But he's going to be, he's going to be a mess to to seed. I mean, and we all know they don't always follow this because Kyle Snyder that one year was definitely not seedable, you know, and they just, they did the right thing. They separated him from Gwiz, but that was a common sense move, not a, we followed the formula move. Well, the thing with Snyder is that he always got a few big wins at the Big Ten tournament, uh, which conference champion always gets a boost. uh, Everybody else that's not a conference champion, and you'd get those quality wins, and they'd put him number one in the coach's ranking, which made sense. I think maybe that year he was two. I don't remember who between him and Gwiz was number one. but that's and it's interesting because you know you kind of said oh he's going to get you know Desi's going to get number one if he wins out. I don't know if he will. Um, it'd be interesting to see what they do. Obviously, I understand why you put him number one because he's the highest returning All American. If he had been in the rankings at the start of the year, he would have been number one. And if he was just being held out with an injury like Stoll, he would still be number one. So I get it. Like it makes sense to me, but. By the time we get to when those coaches' rankings are voted on, Desi won't have wrestled anybody. Uh, we'll be looking at Stevenson, who has some big wins. By that point, some other guys might have some big wins. It'll be really interesting to see where they vote him. Tony Cassiope should be number one. 
It's 11 and 0 with 10 pins in a major. So. Yes. <laughs> dominating people. I mean, and yes, his, it's a red shirt schedule, so he's going to a lot of opens. He's not wrestling the hardest schedule in the world. Although he beat a couple of guys over the weekend that were solid, uh, you know, D1 level heavyweights. So he's just dominating. You know, I don't think anybody is surprised that he's winning. But to get so many falls and, you know, just your decision, that's amazing to me. You know, we see there's so many good heavyweights coming into college. You know, with Gable Stevenson and Mason Paris and Colton Schultz is not there yet, but he's coming and, you know, Zach Elam and on and on and on. And then Cassiopeia is out there just saying, hey, don't forget about me. Yeah, we were talking – a buddy of mine were talking about Iowa's schedule because they said maybe – Next year, maybe Spencer Lee takes an Olympic redshirt. We're talking about the year after that. You're talking about guys like you think, okay, these guys could definitely be All-Americans then. And we're looking at guys like Spencer Lee on that team. Spencer Lee, I think the way Nelson Brands is wrestling right now, if you said he's going to be an All-American three years from now, the answer is yes. Marinelli, Kemmer, Jacob Warner, Cassiope. That might be as good as anybody's best six you know, in a couple of years now. Obviously, there's a million things that can happen between now and then. And I don't know if Cassiope's good enough to beat all those dudes and win it, but it feels like he's going to just destroy the guys that aren't on the top level and score a ton of bonus points for those guys along the way. He's going to be an awesome guy to close out dual meets for you. That's for sure. Yeah, and it's it's pretty amazing. I mean, when you watch, when you just see Cassiope, you know, just standing on the side of the mat, <laughs> he doesn't steer into you like a Brock Lesnar would or like Kyle Snyder did or even like a Gwiz. He just, you know, he's kind of square and he's kind of, he's got a little bit of extra weight. But, man, when you watch the guy wrestle and watch the guy move, he's underrated athletically. He His feet are really good. And I, I didn't see him dominating like this. I don't know that anybody did, but uh, – you knew, you knew he would be good. I'm just surprised at how much success he's having already. He's another guy I got to watch a lot this summer in freestyle in Greco, and he actually beat Colton Schultz in one of the matches on the world team, the Greco trials. And you took the words out of my mouth. He's got nice feet, really nice feet for a heavyweight. You know, he's almost like a judoku player, like just really his feet are really good. And I think people – would not guess that because they're like, well, he's a, you know, he's a bigger guy. He's a heavier guy. Like, normally those dudes don't have great feet. But he's he, he's legit. He's really legit. Um, and I think they're going to, you know, I think that was a, obviously a really good decision. All those guys you named, plus Kirk Fleet and some of these other guys. And, you know, and then, you, you know, like one of the surprising guys who I watched wrestle this weekend, who I think is really under the radar, is Trent Hilger. I mean, he's good, man. Like, you know, one, he looks like Thor, which is kind of awesome. And two, he's built like Thor, which is kind of awesome. And three, he can wrestle, man. Like, that dude can wrestle. I think he's going to be in the hunt, too. Because, you know, that, that's another weight where there's not a ton of guys that have – there's not a guy that's been in the finals in that group. And that's significant. Right. So – you're going to have two first-time finalists from that weight this year, and that's in itself is pretty interesting, you know? Yeah, and, uh, you know, you mentioned Hilger. That's a good call. Wisconsin 
Wisconsin being good at heavyweight just seems right. Like that's just that's just what they do, right? You know, last year was kind of a blip after Medbury graduated, but he's bringing it back, and um, he's going to be right there. I think another round of twelve type guy that could could break through. We'll see what he does. Uh, he's a young he, buck too. I mean, he's a freshman. Right. Him and Singletary were on the same Dapper Dan team or Pittsburgh Classic team. You know, at two twenty and heavyweight. So, you know, they ended up wrestling each other, but. He's a, he's really, really good heavyweights are good on top and really patient. And, you know, they just, they push and they shove and they create good position. And uh, he's, he's done a great job. I mean, I, and I think, you know, probably if you got a, you know, and I mean this in a compliment, like a, a high, a high energy guy like John Reeder probably pushing you around every day, you know, you, you, <laughs> you probably get pretty good. So for sure. I think he's a guy that, you know, if we were maybe next week we'll do, uh, you know, probably a little slow. Next two weeks we'll maybe do some confidence picks or, you know, recircle back to some of our All-American predictions. And I think Hilger's a guy that I think he'd be a guy who's not in the top eight that I would pick for sure. Yeah, and I, I no neither one of us were on him early in the year, so right. But th- that happens a lot, you know. We see this is kind of the the time of the year where people announce themselves, and he's one of those that has told everyone, you know, he's going to be a factor at the end of the year. So, uh, very good job by him, and we'll see where he goes the rest of the year. Um, that wraps up the rankings for this week. As you mentioned, it's a little bit of a slow week this week. Well, I shouldn't say a little bit. Numbers-wise, there aren't that many meets, but there are some really interesting ones. Um, Friday night, Arizona State against Penn State. Uh, obviously, the first of the – I don't even – it's not a big test, I wouldn't say, because obviously Arizona State isn't going to win that duel, but it's by far the best team Penn State has wrestled so far. There could be some incredible matches. Obviously, Zahid versus Mark Hall is must-watch every time it happens, um, so that'll be really interesting to see how that goes. Uh, Nebraska with an interesting trip through North Carolina this week. They'll face the Tar Heels on Saturday and then the Wolfpack on Sunday. Anytime you go through that sort of road swing and wrestle back-to-back days, there's some interesting potential for weird results. Um, Hidley Berger will be interesting. You know, Kennedy Monday versus Berger is a yeah, match that we saw. Berger's going to have a fun weekend, yeah. No, no, no doubt. <laughs> You know, one thing I noticed when I looked at the schedule, uh, that Saturday night duel against the Tar Heels is at 6.30, and then they come back on Sunday for a 1 p.m. duel. That's that's a turnaround right there. Uh, you better have your weight under control. Yeah, yeah. A 6.30 and then a 1 o'clock start, like you're saying, like they must not have a lot of guys cutting weight real hard, you know. So, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting for sure. I mean, those are kind of the duels, and Cornell, you and I, although, I mean, I'd have to go through and see where the matchups are, you know, because both those guys have been hit by the injury bug a little bit. So I think Arizona State, Penn State, Arizona State, if they wrestle great, could win four matches, but, you know, they can't win the duel, like you're saying. I mean, they could win, you know, they're probably favored to win 25. You know, they can win 49. Uh, they can win 74. Well, there was one other weight in there I thought they could win. I don't know. Maybe I'm – I think, oh, maybe it was if they wrestled Tanner Hall, they would, you know, have a chance to win heavyweight. So maybe it's just three. You know, I don't know. Uh, Penn State just, you know, I think you and I were talking about this, about I still think their best five probably win nationals right now. It's kind of scary. 
Yeah, they are scary. Uh, you know, that Cornell U and I duel will probably feature Drew Foster against Max Dean, so that would be a really good one um, to watch for there. It, it's interesting. Well, I'll, I'll be interested to see what happens around the 33-41 area. I'm still watching that with Cornell. Obviously, uh, Chaz Tucker and Vito Ruggio both started the year at 33. Um, they bumped one of them up to 141 in a couple of duels. So, um, you know, if one of them ends up against, you know, somebody – in that somebody like Josh Albert, that would be interesting. Um, maybe Yanni will be back. We know he's wrestled some. Not sure if he's ready for the duel or not. Um, it, it would be an interesting test against Albert. Obviously, you'd favor Yanni in that situation, but uh, you never know how that goes. So, a lot of good wrestling out there. You know, SDSU is going to take trip out to Oregon State. There will be some good matches there. Uh, just you know, we're we're. Heading into the holiday break, but we're not quite there yet. There will still be good wrestling this weekend. Um, what else do we need to hit today, David? I don't. I don't think anything. I just want to make sure Chad Lindsay knows that we won the three out of five, and we won the four out of seven, and we won the two out of three. I, I think. I think Alex Deringer needs to understand that too. Like, I'm never going to beat him in the match, but we had him in pool for for a while. I want to stay friends with Ringer, so I'm just going to shout it out to Chad. <laughs> I do want to congratulate Chad. He got a, a new principal job in Lincoln, Nebraska, and that guy's awesome. So, you know, big shout-out. He's done a lot of great work, and he'll be influential at a new program, and that's kind of what you want to see is guys doing that. So, uh, you know, big shout-out to him, but we did beat you in, at all the intervals until I got old and tired and just wanted to go to bed at 1.45 in the morning. So... I want you to know that, Chad. You're my boy. I love you. I'll see you at the Fantasy Wrestling National Championship in Pittsburgh, but we, we, we were the winners in all the intervals that mattered. No, There's no five out of nine in anything except possibly cricket that I'm aware of. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's the, that's the most important point to make. And, you know, it's, it's guys like Chad that make those tournaments run well that help out high school programs. You know, he's been around Perry forever. He's been through a couple of coaching changes and, you know, he's going to do great things in Nebraska. We told him he has to bring his wrestling team back down so we can see him in Perry next year. For sure. Um, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And it's guys like Chad across the country that are keeping wrestling going in high school and junior high and whatever. So, uh, shout out to him. He's going to do great things. And shout out to all you guys out there grinding on the weekends for little to no publication. Um, we can get you a shout out when we can. So I think that's all for this week. Um, any last words? No, man. Love, love, love the Perry trip. And uh, you and I talk every week, man, but it's fun hanging out. Just, you know, as we get a chance to relax, do the play-by-play. Oh, we got to give a shout out to Hardell Moore too, right? Like, and uh, and and you had Chad Lindsay on your mic on the semis. I had Chris Forbes. Uh, I know both those guys killed it, and then Hardell just always crushes it in the finals. Guy knows everything about everybody in Oklahoma, and uh, always asks the best. <laughs> he asks the best mad side questions <laughs> of anybody. It doesn't matter what the answer is; it doesn't phase him. My man just keeps it moving. So. <laughs> He does a great job. Big shout out to him, and uh, thank you so much to all those guys down there. We love we love you guys. Absolutely, shout out to Hardell, and I guess I'll close the show with a quote from one of our guys. We one of the Perry Tournament Champions guys that just won came off the mat, and Hardell asked him what he was going to do for the rest of the season. He said, "I'm gonna just keep pinning." 
So all y'all out there, just keep pinning. Until next week, we'll be back. Alex Steen, Dave Mercatani signing off. See y'all next week.